0: Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom.
1: All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys are here. So uh, let me see. Let's begin. Uh, let's begin with in prayer. Father Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your hand of protection, and please continue to protect us all. Father, we look to you as our provider. We thank you for the uh, for the forgiveness of sins that we find through your son, Yeshua, our Messiah, our King. Father, we thank you again uh, just for you being faithful to your words. Father, today we'd like to lift up all those that are not feeling well that are amongst us and those who are traveling, give them safe traveling uh mercies on their way here and back home father we lift up our sister tracy uh and we ask that father that all went well friday and that uh, the results that she's looking for would be very pleasing and promising father we thank you for her and we thank you for your awesome hand in all of our lives amen all right so uh let me see we want to thank uh, thanks all of our online guests for joining us and our family as well who are out there, as you know. LivingMessiah.com is the website. There's a donate button. We want to thank all those who give faithfully uh, and support us. Thank you very much uh, for that. We do appreciate that. Uh, thumbs up always nice as well too. Um, uh, the as you know the basics uh, uh, it's. It's open here as far as dialogue. So, if you have a question or comment, raise your hand. Uh, one of the two mics will find its way to you. And I'm just ask. Let's get uh, short. Be uh, speaking upon uh, the subject that's at hand, because uh, again, as you know, I mentioned it. A lot. We're here to learn together. Okay, and that's the whole point. So. Um, and thanks again for all of you are being here. So as far as, as you know, we're in chapter 18. As far as review, it's somewhat, uh, hasn't changed a whole lot in that sense. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he seems to be the main character right now. He continues his practice, his journeys, and it's that same practice. He finds the local synagogue. Uh, he goes in, he's speaking the word of Elohim and teaching the word of Elohim. Um, also along with that, he also speaks about the death and resurrection of Yahshua, the Messiah, the, that servant, that one that Moses spoke about and the prophets speak about that servant as well. So that's what he's proclaiming at the same time. You know, the word of Elohim, the good news that's contained in in that word of Elohim, so we'll pick up where Paul is right now. he's dragged before another court. seems to have be something that happens to him quite often if you're following along. so this court is in Corinth um and he's dragged there by his brethren again and he if you can visualize in that sense them getting together um here he is ready. To defend themselves, right? And this is where we kind of left off last week. So, ready to defend himself, Acts 18, 14. And as Shaul was about to open his mouth, uh, galleon said to the Eudeme, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or wickedness or reckless, oh Eudeme, that uh, there would be a reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and and a law which is among you see to it yourselves for i do not wish to be a judge of these matters and he drove them away from the judgment seat and the the greeks uh, took uh Sophonis, uh the uh, another ruler of the congregation and they beat him before the judgment seat uh, and but Gallion, the judge here this uh, uh counselor pro counselor Viceroy or whatever, he he showed no concern whatsoever in what they did. So I mentioned last week. I think it's a uh, something else that's very important because we know in Luke, uh, Luke twelve eleven. And when they bring you into the congregation, into rulers and authorities, do not worry about what you should uh, answer or what you should say. The set apart spirit will teach you in that very hour what to say. And something else I see here in the text is sometimes we have here, Paul didn't need to speak about anything. He didn't need to open his mouth. He didn't need to defend himself. In some ways, that was taken care of. So sometimes, uh, maybe more often than not, not saying a thing is actually the best route, you know. And I find myself so many times, um, that is the best avenue sometimes when i quickly open my mouth i make things worse gentlemen i'm sure you know what that's like right when if i would just been quiet go on cruise on through whatever and it's like it seems to solve its the issue by itself without me um, getting involved or adding words and making things worse, so to speak. So, obviously, this uh, secular judge, let's say, he's not a getting involved because Paul he broke no Roman law. He had no he had no interest in this, right? He goes, whatever religious, th- I don't want no part of your religious squabble or whatever the issues going on. So something else i do wonder I, I i believe i said this last week uh the real clearly what's going on here you uh is this idea that uh, the jews themselves and the secular world they saw no difference between paul and his brother okay meaning they they saw no difference in the let's say the judaism at the time and the secular world saw no difference there you know so uh, I think that's kind of interesting to point out, so but what we have here I'm in some ways I'm trying to understand uh they're in front of this judge, he wants nothing to do with it, and then I believe these Greeks here are part of the synagogue themselves, okay, and they end up you know kind of beating up on. <laughs> uh this ruler of the congregation here okay and i'm like i'm puzzled i don't know uh, have a complete answer why they they would do that one maybe you know they were upset that uh, he paul was even allowed to speak in the synagogue after so many times i i don't know so why was this leader beaten i don't know Uh, uh but I did come across this that I thought it was kind of interesting if that is the case. And Deuteronomy 25.1 says this. When there's a dispute between men, then they shall come unto the judge. And I know this is, isn't, well, it is a judge. Maybe you're not a judge appointed from deem, But they come, a, 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 come unto the judge and they and they shall judge and the righteous in dec- uh, the righteous declared righteous and the wrongdoer declared wrong there's a judgment and it shall be the wrongdoer is to be beaten <laughs> that the judge shall cause him to lie down and be beaten in his presence with the number of blows according to the wrong 40 blows on and on. so Is there some of this going out? Okay, the secular judge, they didn't do anything to Paul. Did they turn on the leader of the congregation or one of the leaders here and beat him? I don't know. Maybe you guys have some other insights into that. But regardless, the the secular judge didn't want anything to do, didn't see any crime committed. Whatever this religious differences is going on, he could care less. Okay? So, in some ways, uh, that that is an interesting thing. And if there's any other comments or insights you can share, please do. If not, we'll move on. So it goes on. And Shaul, having stayed several days more, so he even stayed longer, having taken leave of his brothers, uh, was sailing to Syrah, uh, uh and Priscilla and um, Aqueos uh, were with him, having shaved his hair and Canera for he had taken a vow. and he came to Ephesus and uh, left them there. but he himself went into the congregation and reasoned with the Euudeem. and when he, uh, and when they asked him to stay long, uh, a longer time with them, he declined but uh, but took leave of them, saying, I have to keep this coming festival in Jerusalem by all means, but I shall come back to you, Elohim desiring so. And he sailed uh, sailed from uh, Ephesus. So, uh, again, it's simply to point out what's going on here. He's still doing practice, right? He still hasn't dropped all, let's say, maybe what uh, what we've learned in Christianity hasn't dropped all these, you know, Jewish things, okay? He hasn't, okay? Now, there's many reasons why he may have taken a vow. Was it a Nazarite vow? It's, it seems to be. But what that vow was about, it really doesn't. Okay? What that vow was, uh, the vow that he took was about. So, Paul's practice practicing the feast, and it... And I would say, because I did read some things about this, but I'm like, oh, that just doesn't seem right to me. So I will state it this way. Paul's practice was keeping the feast, and it wasn't for the sake of being a good witness to the Jews to win them over. It was simply the obedience to the Father's law, okay? He didn't continue doing the feast. You know, when he didn't have to, but just to be a good... No, he did the feast because that's what was asked. And that's what's asked of us to do in the scriptures. Completely, because I read a lot of commentary. Oh, he was just doing that to feast the Jews, try to win them. No, he was doing it because that's what the Father states to do. Celebrate the feast. Okay? These are appointed times. Now, what I thought was interesting too, this came to my mind. He must have missed some... Of the feast going into Jerusalem. All right. From where he was. Because if he was a year and a half in Corinth. A year and a half. So he must maybe had. I got to get there this year. <laughs> or I got to get there this year. Okay. Because it doesn't. It seems like he. In some, some way. Did not make it to Jerusalem for a year and a half. For those three pilgrimage feasts. Okay. That's what I'm speculating if it's saying that he was a year and a half in Corinth, Corinth it didn't say they jumped on a boat and went back because that's a lot of a lot of mileage you know I don't know at least it doesn't say and I'm just assuming there so so he would have missed at least probably three of the pilgrims' feasts that are in Jerusalem that that the father asked to go up to Okay plus you know maybe he wasn't in a rush to get back to Jerusalem because the last time he was there uh it seems like remember his all his friends tried to kill him <laughs> you know so um so his only friends that are in Jerusalem at this point would the, be the sect of the way yes would he
2: yeah um Interestingly enough, our translations, and I don't know if others too, they're missing the uh, festival part. Oh, really? Yeah, in verse 21, it's like they cut out the, I have to keep this coming festival, which isn't lost on me. You know, I'm sure they had a reason for cutting it out, but I'm in the, I have the NLT, because it's just easy to read, New Living Translation. But they do have a note down below that says, some manuscripts have exactly what your verse says. And ironically, the Tree of Life Bible, which is definitely Hebrew uh supportive doesn't have it either. Hmm.
1: Wow.
2: I find it interesting if anybody else also does not and have if- the festival thing cuz and from our perspective it's pretty important that he's really keen on keeping this festival it's really important to him, you know, and he even shaves his head for something else. Uh so it's just odd that it would be missing.
1: Yeah, that's an, I did not know that. That that's interesting. I mean I mean, I guess in some ways to play the other side. Okay, maybe it never said festival. He was going to Jerusalem to meet up. Obviously, we see where he'll end up. And Antioch, the very people who um, sent him off in this mission too. But I would say he's been gone. I got to get to Jerusalem this year. I missed it. Okay. So I'm speculating along with that. But it's interesting there is a testimony, like you're saying, that is in some manuscripts and not others. So, And we do know that's what it clearly says that that he states, you know. So, so the other comment uh, I was thinking about uh, this morning is like, you know, Paul's life has really changed by this point hasn't it you know I don't know exactly how many years it went on but his life has changed drastically from from the life that he had you know and then I started thinking my my life has changed I hope your guys's life has changed from the first day that you said I believe and I want to change my life you know and so it's an ongoing thing. It should be an ongoing thing with all of us. You know, uh, Sometimes we forget about the simple things. <laughs> or those simple things. Anyhow, let's continue on. And having uh, come to Caesarea, going up and greeting the assembly, he went down to, an- uh, down to Antioch, and having spent some time there, he went forth passing through the uh, country of Galatia and through Paragraph. Sorry, I don't know some of these pronunciations. But ultimately, he was out strengthening all the taught ones on his journey. So this is the other thing that I think is interesting because he wants to go to Jerusalem. He goes to Caesarea. Caesarea is, let's say, the biggest port if you're going to go to Jerusalem, right? Here, I got it up. Let me show you the map. He's going to go real real fast. (laughs) So he gets to Caesarea. Caesarea being that made the big port if you're going into Jerusalem. Then it says he went up. Now, it doesn't say Jerusalem, uh, um, but it says that he, um, Caesarea, he going up and greeting the assembly, then he went down to Antioch. Okay, so there's a separation of of what's going on there, but the thing is, what I found is, and you might have heard this. Anytime you go to Jerusalem, doesn't matter where you up north, south, east, west, or whatever, you're always going up. So this idea of going up, it seems like he went up to Jerusalem and went to the assembly, uh, Peter, James, and uh, that core group there, and then he left and went up to Antioch. Uh, it seems where he was uh anointed and given the commission to go out and continue uh his journeys so if you if you have any other info on that that would be great um so i'm presume for uh, i presume he was going to jerusalem at the same time for the feast or maybe and uh, hooking up with the assembly there um and then ultimately to antioch the other you know paul he really got around he really did get around a lot okay yeah yeah it's so easy you obviously no car his baggage would have to be very light you know what i mean so he didn't have much you know um mark and the other thing he had to be in pretty good health whatever Age he is at
0: this time. I was just going to add. So, if he's keeping a vow and he's cutting his hair, it's pretty obvious what vow he's under because there's only one vow you must cut your hair on. Yes, and that would be the Nazarite vow. And when you get down to twenty twenty one, the two verses down, it kind of shows you again what vow he's he's doing. And so, this shaving of the hair, and it it goes on to say over in twenty one. You put the hair on the altar, which is exactly what you're required to do to finish the Nazarite vow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank
1: you, Mark. So this, uh, Paul, he was in good shape. So if you want to be like the Apostle Paul, right? You, if you want to be like the Apostle Paul, get out and walk. Start walking <laughs> as part of your Torah training. And Torah obedience, which I think that's good for all of us. Just health across the board. Try to be more healthy. I know my wife uh, um, has put a lot of that in front of me. And I'm not always so quick to uh, grab upon it. But it is a good and it's a, a, a wise insight uh, just to get your health better, okay? So, and a certain Judite, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, a learned man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This one had been instructed in the way of the Master, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching the matters about the Master exactly, though. He knew only the immersion of John or the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the congregation. And when um, Achilles and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of Elohim more exactly. Now, this, uh, this verse for me, I went I was looking at a lot of different translations, how it comes across. So, and obviously the story jumps back to Ephesus, okay, where this is where Paul's husband and wife team, if I remember correctly, he left them, but they were there. And they were going to the congregation, the synagogue as well. So they didn't change their their um habits or be their behavior either it seems alright so with this apollos he's an interesting guy and maybe we'll kinda look in this a little bit and I'll but the, I know I think some things that I come across and I started with Alexandria okay if he was born in Alexandria one of the things in Alexandria it was a very lar- uh, large Jewish center. One of the largest outside of Jerusalem. Okay. Or outside the Holy Land. And what else is noted for in Alexandria? Mark speaks about this a lot of times and he uses this translation a lot of times with you. The first Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible was created there, or came together there, and that was 300 years before Messiah Paul. All right, or at least if it, that's the Septuagint. Now, and it seems to be was the uh, what most Jews of that era used as their Bible, as their scriptures, because a lot of them did not speak the Hebrew. And we've seen now we're running into a lot of Greek-speaking Jews, which they're Jewish, but they have a lot of Greek influence. And they didn't speak the Hebrew, but they spoke the Greek. So this Alexandria was a mixing pot of many cultures, too, because of what this place was. Now I think I'm saying this because I guess this all adds into this Apollo guy, okay? Who he is, so it can tell you. Someone tells you from their from New York, there are certain things that habits and characteristics that you can assume might be with a New Yorker versus an Arizonan or or what have you, okay? Not precise, but in in, in general, especially when it describes that. You know, he knew the scriptures a lot. And some translations even says eloquent. He was eloquent in the scriptures, meaning he was really taught. Okay, so he wasn't a farm boy. It seemed maybe he was a college type of person. And again, I'm just assuming this from what little we have uh, about him. And there might be more. But this uh, Alexander being a mixing pot, the influence of Hellenism or Greekism, so to speak, was the overall bigger influence in Alexandria. And one commentator says, "I said this, that there was more Jewish philosophy than studying of the Torah or studying the scripture. A lot of philosophy, which makes sense if there's a lot of... uh, hellenism going on there is this a lot of philosophy about the scriptures rather than the scriptures themselves or what they make and i guess that's a lot like what would be today in some ways maybe we have a lot of that today we have a lot of religious philosophies and theologies doctrines and traditions then the word of god (laughs) actually what it said and how to adhere to it. Usually, as you guys know, it jumps off into, you know, what this guy said or what this says. So, Apollos was instructed in the way of the master, teaching with fervent spirit and only knowing the immersion of John. So, let's explore this a little bit. The way of the master, what master is being spoken here? Because I saw in various translations, some says the Master and they had Jehovah and others just said Master. For instance, this man had been taught in the way of the Lord Jehovah, Jehovah, and he was fervent in spirit, speaking and teaching thoroughly about Yeshua, yet not knowing anything except the baptism of John. So he knew Yeshua, didn't speak against him. But how much did he know? I don't know. The text doesn't say. And at this point, i got to say something that I think is very important, is we all need someone's accountability. To help us when we're looking through scripture. Because we can get stuck. And for instance, I'm going to say this week I got stuck on something. And due to a nice brother, I'm like, opened up that I saw. My thought process was too narrow. And we need that from each other. Okay. So if we just stick with the text or maybe some of these other translations, I think we can still take things out of that as well. I would say then maybe he was instructed in the way of Yahuwah. and another translation says respecting Yahshua. Okay, which is kind of interesting. So if we just take that concept, I was summing it up in my mind this way. And the first one you you will get there's knowing Jesus, but do you know Yeshua, right? Ooh, yeah, we all know that. Ah, let's put that aside. Knowing Yeshua, but do you really know Yeshua? That's where we need to understand him. Cause you can know of Yeshua, and we all know of Yeshua, but our goal is should to be, and this is the challenge, it's for me. Really knowing him. That's a whole different subject there. Because we can hang on to our little doctrines, or our theologies, and our little boxes that tightly fit everything in. That's not going to cut it. At least I have found, not for myself, I got way too many more questions about who he is.
0: Mark. Two things how would you interpret it says being acquainted only with the baptism of John
1: what's that now
0: so it says he was only acquainted with the baptism of John so did that mean he wasn't familiar with the baptism of the Holy Spirit through through what we call the, the baptism uh, he only understood or knew of the the, the immersion or baptism of John? the baptism of repentance, but he didn't know about the other one. Because The reason I say that is because it says that he was, if he didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it says he was fervent in spirit. So this means he was he was full of the Spirit without even knowing about the immersion or baptism of the Holy Spirit. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So that's one thing. The other thing is you you were talking about he's instructed in the way of English says the Lord, but as you pointed out, I think you accurately said the way of Yahuwah, because the Greek word is kurios, which is what is used to translate Yodavave all throughout the Tanakh. And so you were kind of touching on it. If he knows about Vave, he obviously was teaching about Yeshua in the scriptures. He knew both. So it was very interesting.
1: Yeah, and was so inter- uh, the other thing in some of my research I was able to do, how much did he know? Because uh, this one commentator said something that I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful. Uh, at least it got me thinking. He may have known about this righteous man who got crucified in Jerusalem, and somehow he was part, but he may not have known the full big picture and the whole big story at the same time. Because he's off in Alexandria, and so I don't know. You know how things can happen. Someone says something to someone else, and you know how news travels, and he might not know the full bigger picture. But for sure, and even with John the Baptist, you know, he may not—he may not even known John the Baptist, but heard of this other prophet in jerusalem at the river jordan talking about repentance and him knowing his scriptures, saying yeah brother whoever you are i'm on that train you know and might not known or even met john the baptist or yeshua for that matter but he was basing it on the scriptures that he had which goes the other thing like mark pointed out i think it's but he was fervent in his in the spirit about whatever that he was, so if it's mentioning John, obviously he was about preparing the way and the other thing i it, it dawned on me, you know Paul, uh Peter, you know, the ones that we know, they're not the only ones that were going out speaking about the good news. There was plenty of other apostles, disciples, taught ones, speaking about these things going on too. There had to be. So that kind of opened up my little tiny (laughs) viewpoint here. You know, we just happen to have acts and that's all we have. We don't have anything about these other One's speaking about the Messiah, helping others along, encouraging them, you know. But one of the translations that I I looked at, and it very well could be the translator added things in there, which I kind of see from the other translations I was looking at, because there was another proof text, oh, this was here. But it said this: This one been taught by uh, taught the way of uh, Yehovah, and was on fire in the ruach Kadesh. Now those could be added because it didn't seem like that matched up to any. So, it, you know, teaching accurate and uh, and true of the Mashiach. Again, some of these, I think, were added in. So what, I, what I, I've i said it, and I think Mark said it, having various translations will necessarily go through because you're at the mercy. Well, I, I don't speak Hebrew, so I'm at the mercy of those translators. So the only way I can get around that is other translations and then double-checking the best I can. You know, because like Woody pointed out, and I come across this a lot, not all the Greek manuscripts match up, all right? And it's not all the Aramaic match with the Greek, so you've got all these little things. Is there something terribly wrong with our translations? No. I think (laughs) we're in a time that, like, wow, we have access the best we can to all these things to really get a good picture along with, uh, the things that were handed down before so are uh, being in the tanakh so i think that's very important um and i try to do my best and uh at at delivering you i can only speak of the things i come across i can't go any further than that yes sister the mic's right there <laughs>
3: Okay, purely speculation, obviously, just on here as I'm looking, uh, I'm just reading this and it made me think about something and I was looking at the words in the Greek talking about um, this man, Apollos, and he's studying the scriptures and he's been instructed in the way and he's very fervent about it and he's teaching facts about possibly the coming Messiah, you know. Maybe that's the word for the coming Messiah, and he's reading about it. There's so many people that's been waiting. There's so many Jews that have been waiting for the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Like there's the priest who's promised that he's going to see him before he dies. There's so many people looking for the Messiah. There's the wise men searching the stars looking for a Messiah. How is this? I mean, purely speculative, but this could be the same type of search. Like he's telling everybody, the Messiah, is. I've heard that he was baptized by John. He literally could have just known that and been completely unaware of the resurrection. That literally could have been what Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and told. I mean, there's not a solid, concrete, as far as I can tell by looking at the words, that there's a way to completely interpret that. But um, Because then it goes on in 27 to tell him that he's, Now he's starting to demonstrate through the scriptures that Messiah was Yeshua, Mm -hmm. you know, as he's going on. And that's after he speaks with
1: these uh, two couple about a little bit more. So, uh, which is interesting, which I think it goes back uh, to something, at least for me personally. How much do I not know? How much do we not know more about who he is, his deity and what he's
0: done? Mark. So if you put this man in the same light and shoe of John the Baptist, here you have both men that are very acquainted with the scriptures. And John, being a relative of Yeshua, is is questioning, are you the one? Even after knowing what he's done? Well, I don't know how much of all. In it. So when he tells the disciples to go and tell him what he's done, that lets him know he is the one. And it could be what they brought him aside and told Apollos was. Look at the things that this messiah or this person did, and the deeds, as Yeshua said, they will they will verify to you who I am, mm-hmm. because only only he can do that.
1: No, thank you, Mark. And I do think that was the case with this person. He knew a lot of what was going on. He trusted in the scriptures. He was a believer in the coming Messiah. You know, I think all that we get. And maybe uh, when this couple heard him, it's like, wow, we have to tell him a little bit more. Maybe he was not aware of more that happened. So that way, I think that's a a good avenue to go, okay? Okay. Because Luke 3.16 says this, and this is John, John the Baptist himself. John said, saying to them all, his apostle, those that were coming out to him, those who were following him, right? I indeed immerse you in water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to loosen. He shall immerse you in the set-apart spirit in fire. So there seems to be, you know, this idea of repentance, and then there's more with the set-apart spirit of really immersing yourself and purifying yourself in that walk. And maybe that's what Apollos got a little bit more of the bigger picture. So again I don't know there's no indication that he actually knew John the Baptist uh, but he was familiar with John's teaching though Uh, and I would say that would be on repentance and that's not a big thing because that's all the prophets are talking about that you know. so again did he how much did he know about Messiah I don't know he was born in Alexandria mm, I guess it'd kind of be safe to assume that he lived there in some ways that is very far from Jerusalem and then the other thing is, think how accurate was his intel, so to speak, his information that he had that was coming to him? Don't know. There's tons of questions here. But we can't, I think it's not safe to form some kind of perfect idea here on. On this. Like I said, can you know Yeshua and not know Yeshua? Maybe that's our take home here. Or let's say we know Yeshua and we know there's more to know about him, and there's more to know about our God. That should be our take home for sure. So this guy, let's just say that he was in the synagogue about preparing the way for Yehovah. That was part of the message that John the Baptist brought forth. The one thing that's I'm gonna be frank with you, it's really I was even talking to my wife about this. You know, acts it takes place with a backdrop of prior orderly events in a culture that I'm still trying to understand and learn. And that's part of the scriptures because I found in the past when I learned more cultural things or more history, things clicked, and all of a sudden it made a little bit more sense of what was going on. But that can't deter me from the things I can get out of it, because he's an awesome God, and he's sharing who he is with us. So we are going to strive to do the best we can, So maybe this is the best thing because it brings in the immersion of John, the immersion of the set-apart spirit, right? I say let's play it safe with the words of Yeshua to Nicodemus. Remember what he said to Nicodemus? The spirit breathes where it wishes and you do not hear the sound of it but do not know where it comes from and where it goes. So as everyone who has been born of the spirit. Now how I look at that, then the Holy Spirit's going to do what he chooses to do, and it's not depending on me, and it's not. there's no perfect formula how he operates except that it's righteous. And it comes from Yahuwah, and it's a promise. Those things I think we can grab on. And you can put that in your theological box. But how it operates and what it does, what he's doing, let's leave the spirit do what he does. Let's just be aware with what we know of the Most High so we recognize it and don't overlook when he's working in our midst. Right? And this is interesting because too, there is patterns, of course. But let's not make that box too small, that that pattern. You know, there's more to the pattern. Because that's one of the things I I see all the time. I'm always looking at these patterns, and I was, and I'm like, mmm. It's good. And they can be insightful, but when it comes to him and how he relates to people, I because I guess what I'm speaking to a lot is say, well, uh, yeah, because there's those who were baptized in the Spirit that was not at the Jordan and didn't get baptized. Various avenues how the Spirit works, so you can't put the Spirit in a perfect formula to fit
0: what we want to do. coffee. Yeah. I'm glad that the promises do not change.
1: That's and see those things are guaranteed that we can really hang on to. Cuz he's proven that. So let me close with that um in prayer if there's uh, nothing else and then we'll get back to this next week. Father Yahoo great and mighty you are. There is none like you. And Father you have shown your, your mercy and your favor upon us. We thank you for the faithfulness to your word. We thank you for the empowerment of your spirit and how it works within each and every one of us. Father, help us to be, be better at portraying that in the image that you put before us. And that's your son, Yeshua. The, the only one, the only one who could lay down his life for us and return us back to you. We thank you again, Father, for your love and your mercy. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. For those online, shabbat shalom.